Hello, welcome to Tech Talk Weekly. I am your host this week. I'm not Bob Anson, I'm Sheldon Burke. Um, you've seen me maybe two episodes be uh, before this year. I filled in for Bob from time to time and, you know, it's the occasional thing. We're legally obligated to give him some breaks, so someone's gotta do it. <laughs> and today I'm joined by Mario Ricardo. Um, Mario, it's a bit weird because I've been in the system so long that I have met your predecessors, but I have not actually sat down and met with you before. We've seen each other in passing. Yes, correct. I don't think we've <laughs> met uh, formally, but I guess this counts as one. So Yeah, I, I guess this counts. Open. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I actually just noticed that there's a Mario behind you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just in case people forget my name, I just have it, you know, right there <laughs> handy. You know, I'm not much of a gamer, but I have it there just for um, reference purposes. So um, you're you're not much of a gamer, really. No, not enough time for it, unfortunately. You know, actually, same for me. The older I get, the more I'm like, ah, oh, I wish I had time to do X, but I just don't. Yeah, other other responsibilities just kind of you know take over, and gaming just kind of you know gets pushed to the side and then forgotten about. For me, at least, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I have school and work, full-time student and employee, so something's got to give. And mm -hmm. as much as I want to beat Diablo, <laughs> it's just not happening. <laughs> I remember the uh, first and the second one that were released. I know there's like a fourth one, I think, now. The fourth or... one is good. The third one was okay. The second is still my favorite and probably mm -hmm. everyone's favorite. Yeah, That's the one with the killer cows. Yes, like the a... first is First and yes. second Diablos were the best. I mean, everything about it, graphics, uh, the music, uh, just the environment of it and playing online and, you know, like. Yeah, I enjoyed the time. vibe. Uh, yeah. You had like the disc that you had and then the DLC disc. Yep. Had to install each CD separately and. Yeah. <laughs> I had a scratch on mine and <laughs> I couldn't reinstall because it was too poor as a child to like get a new one. Yep, and then either that or, you know, ask a friend for a copy or they had like a, a spare key or whatever, CD key for you. And Yeah, you had to have an activation code, didn't you? Yep, yeah. Well, yeah, for all the Gen Z people watching, um, you can't relate, but it was a hard time back then. Yeah, it was a very difficult time. And then you had to keep all your CDs in cases. And that's why, you know, you guys are lucky. You can download any game you want, anytime you want. True, I mean... I think I even tried to pirate it once, but if you pirate something, you still need an activation key. A so, CD key, yep. 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 I tried that once and it didn't go well. I think it was with like Roller Coaster Tycoon or something like that. Oh, that was another good one. <laughs> yeah. Good times, good times. Yeah. So, actually, I was supposed to be asking you about yourself, <laughs> uh, yeah. but I got off on a tangent. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> Reliving old gaming memories, huh? Oh, yeah, but that's totally fine. That's what people are here yeah. for. Yeah. Um, so Mario, tell us about yourself. What do you do in the library system? So uh, I'm an office support specialist for the community engagement department, um, meaning that I pretty much do like a little bit of everything, um, whether it be like inventorying materials or books or setting up meetings or anything administrative or office related tasks like that. Mm -hmm. um, I also have um, obviously, you know, a lot of participation in the face-to-face -face portion of it, like going out there to the events, like we just did the uh, uh, Storybook Festival this past weekend, um, just going out to events, uh, back to school events, stuff like that. So it's a little bit of 
you know, hands-on face-to-face portion and then the administrative, you know, office side of things too. So uh, yeah, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. And I work here at the main library uh, in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Um, I will say from the insider, it's very good to have you around because there was that period where there was no one in your position. Yes. And like any order, any sort of forms I had to fill out beforehand and it was like, oh, this is excruciating. And so you needed someone who could just do it to make things run a lot smoother. Yes, exactly. That's what I've heard a lot about, you know, mm-hmm. the vacancy of my position. So I'm glad to be here and be helping out in any way that I can. So glad to be on board. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. Thank you. Thank All right. So let's jump into our articles. Um, as some of our viewers may know, Sam Altman, who's the CEO of OpenAI, which is the company that um, is in charge of chat GPT, got fired surprisingly last week. So I think our first two articles this week are really about open AI and talking about what happened. So let's pull up our first article here. We have our New York Times article called The Fair The Fear and Tension That Led to Sam Altman's Ouster at OpenAI. Um so the long short of it is that there's a board that oversees things for OpenAI. Um, OpenAI was a nonprofit. That's why they have a board. And they voted to oust Sam Altman here, who's a public facing side of OpenAI, also the CEO. And it was surprising because there was no word that this was coming and they just decided to out him. The article kind of goes into the backstory of what happened. You have some board members who are concerned about what AI will lead to in the future. They are fearful that there are not enough safeguards, that the company is not thinking too much about what could happen if they create a super intelligence, which they're nowhere near doing right now, but could happen in the future. And that kind of what led to it. You had the board members who were concerned about that this would lead to a super intelligence and that there was lack of safety. And they voted to oust Sam Altman, who seemingly was more concerned about profits. Um, so Mario, how familiar are you with AI and open AI and chat GPT and maybe about Sam Altman? Um, not very familiar about, uh, Sam Altman, but I am familiar with, I mean, AI, I use it every day. I have a smartphone. I'm sure like most people do. And I use Siri. Mm -hmm. Um, so that right there is like a personal, I guess you can say AI assistant. And um, that that's also one of my concerns as well is, you know, the the rapid growth of AI and how it's being incorporated into most things that people use and how there are plans to, I guess, incorporate it into almost everything now, have have some kind of AI component in, in most of the things that we interact with. Um, so I, I totally understand people's, you know, concern for safeguarding their information and their, you know, financial records and you know, it's, it, it can definitely be a little bit intimidating just because of the vision and the overall scope that all these companies have for AI. And in this case, you mentioned that he was more concerned with, uh, you know, profits or his company name over consumers, you know, information and privacy. And I think that's something that really concerns me as well. You know, as, a, as an average consumer, I'm very concerned about my um, information, not so much about the super computer or the super 
AI brain part of it, but yeah, the super intelligence, super intelligence. I, sorry, I forgot the term. No, you're good. <laughs> the, um, that actually sounds cooler. Super brain. I'm sure, I'm sure Bob would really appreciate that one. Super brain, but, um, it's, it's like a, a concern for, you know, overall privacy and, you know, name addresses, phone numbers, emails, all the stuff that we kind of hold sacred, especially now in the digital age when all that stuff is just kind of like out there when you need an account for everything, you know, you go to order a pizza and you need an email account or you oh, know, yeah, something like that. Sure. So, so privacy is the number one concern and it should be the priority for these companies. So I'm, yeah, I'm totally I, on board with that. Yeah. I think not a lot of people talk about the data set. Um, most of these AIs are trained on a data set and that's how they gain their intelligence. And a lot of that came from skimming the internet back to about, I believe 2021 is what ChatGPT3 is up to right now. Um, so it likely had access to a lot of things that we didn't really consent to that. So that is an issue. Yeah. Um, but there was a transition from OpenAI being a nonprofit to being for-profit and then teaming up with Microsoft. And that kind of changed the whole vibe of the company and so I got the sense that there was this conflict between the board and what it was trying to become. Um, important to know, I think that they're trying to get him back in, which I, I'm not sure how that works. Um, that you fire, sure. you fire a guy one week and then you try to bring him back the next week. Yeah, especially if there's like a creative or difference in ambition, like you just highlighted, it's kind of weird how they would reach that point and then try to get them back on board suddenly, you know, there's something maybe there that we don't know about, but yeah. we'll see how it plays out, you know? Yeah. And one more point. Um, I think there's a tendency to think, and I thought before I read the article that the board was like maybe misinformed, maybe they don't really know about AI. I mean, there are some people there with like masters in like arts, which is good to have for ethical reasons. Um, right. But there was a, person who co-founded OpenAI on the board, and he is like one of the biggest, staunchest persons to say, look, we need to worry about safety. We need to make sure that this thing doesn't get out of hand. We need to mm -hmm. put some safeguards in place. So overall, I mean, kind of an interesting article that definitely yeah. everyone should check out. Exactly. I think everyone should check it out too, and just kind of like, you know, form your own opinion on it. Yeah. So let's jump to our second article which is similar. It's actually what OpenAI really wants. Um, that one is kind of, I kind of got the idea to go over this from a Wire article, which kind of was like looking back on what we talked about before. Um, so let's see. Let's okay. open that up. So this one kind of goes over the origin of OpenAI, which is kind of what we touched upon earlier in that it was kind of this nonprofit and what it was concerned about, here we go. What it was concerned about really was being an alternative. Um, now we think of ChatGPT kind of the standard, but mm -hmm. OpenAI was an alternative to Google because I believe Elon Musk was talking to Larry Page about the threat of AI. And Larry Page said, that's kind of species. It's being like discriminatory to AI to think that it wants to like destroy human beings. Yeah. So Elon Musk kind of helped found the open AI beginnings to make a company that was more kind of like ethical, 
more um, their codes and their algorithms were open for everyone to look at. And I don't know. I got to ask you, do you think that they kind of achieved that now that they're a for-profit company? Hmm. I want to answer that question, but I also want to say that I wonder where this fear of, you know, AI wants to hurt us more than it wants to help us comes from. I wonder if it like, comes from like anything in like pop culture or movies, or I kind of want to know where this originates from because I mean, ultimately AI is something that will become whatever we make it because we're all pitching into it and we're all creating it. So I kind of want to know where that notion that it's going to like hurt us or do something negative to humanity comes from. Like, what, what do you think has led to that? I'm a little bit on the, we need to put some safeguards team. Um, the thought is it's not bad now, but there could, right now it, it will not surpass human intelligence. The thought is that once it gets to human intelligence, it can easily accelerate to beyond human intelligence and then it could do whatever it wants. And I guess based on our past, not so friendly things that humans have done, um, there's a fear that it will do it again. Like it will be worse. Like it could just end the world and that we will never have a way of stopping it because it can think better than us. It can think faster than us. It can think 10 steps ahead of us. Right, right. And it doesn't have like the same like ethical qualms that we do about, I don't know, killing people. Exactly. And and like, I, I agree with that. I totally understand that side of it. But I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's still going to lack a lot of, you know, and this can get real, um, you know, philosophical, but it's still lacking a lot of the things that make it human and that give it the ability to make decisions like, you know, free will. And like I said, this, this can get real existential real quick, but, um, you know, I understand people's fear that it can spiral out of control, but at the same time, like, as far as like ability to make decisions and all that, I mean, to be determined, but it's still not entirely a human entity, you know, and endowed with the same things that we have. So, but I totally understand that the fears and anyways, I'm, I'm sorry, I sidetracked. What, what was your no, question, no, no. Sheldon? I know this is totally fine. This is what we're here for. Um, yeah. Yeah. Talk about tech. Yeah, I mean, to talk about tech, and I, I, I like that we have different backgrounds on it. Um, going to school at the moment, I do have like this argument with people. It's also a fear about jobs as well. It's not totally about like the end of the world, even if AI doesn't become like the Terminator and murder us all. <laughs> it's just going to take so many jobs just from a corporate profit motive for the um, job creators that it's like, what do we do? Like, if you and I both lose our jobs and those job titles no longer exist, what do we do now? Like, it's not like we can just become like data scientists right out of the blue and just learn how to like code for AI and maintain AI. It's not an easy transition. Um, what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, I also agree with that. Um we're seeing you know slowly everything is becoming digital and automatized and you know some kind of technology behind it you know even manual labor jobs and stuff like that are implementing new tech and new um processes that are digital and are looking forward to the future and they're looking to do things more efficiently cheaper mm -hmm. um and you know um 
and I totally understand that fear that these AIs or these, you know, systems or whatever are going to take our jobs. I, I totally re relate with that. And I can totally understand <laughs> that. And it leaves you with like questioning, like, like you said, like, what are we going to do next if that does happen or when that does happen? Um, and, and these are all great questions. And I understand why people want to place limits on these things and kind of keep them, keep them in check. But if you do that, you're also kind of limiting their full potential. So, you know, there's like a, it's going to be like an ongoing debate. I can tell you that Sheldon. <laughs> Yeah, it is going to be an ongoing debate, but I I just hope that we get in front of it. It's not mm -hmm. something we think about once we get there. It's Once it's too late, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's just like, oh, we took all the jobs. What do we do now? It's like, exactly. think about it beforehand, please. Exactly. I agree, Sheldon. Yep. Yep. All right. So we have one more article to go. Let's see. Let me pull that article up here. So our final article is not dealing with open AI here. It is in fact dealing with cybersecurity or lack thereof. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. And let me add this to the stage here. So our final one, this article, by the way, spiffy. I love this graphic that they have. So yeah. this article is about the Bangladesh has a national telecommunication monitoring center did not know. And apparently they, a lot of information gets into that agency. And what happened is that there was a leak of that information and it included a lot of um, metadata, um, which was a big thing right after 9-11 to have a discussion about metadata, what that includes. Mm -hmm. But a lot of metadata includes like real-time names, phone numbers, email address, locations, exam results, things like that. And so turns out that um, data leak actually got hijacked by another group who's now doing a ransom of, a, I believe, about 0.1 Bitcoin in order to get it back. And there's an issue of the database. Supposedly, they stopped using it, but it's still being filled with information daily. So. I guess I want to ask you, what do you think about this overall? I mean, not necessarily from the Bangladesh point of view, but maybe like a consumer point of view about data collection and keeping our data safe. Hmm. When when it comes, I think to keeping our data safe, it's it's a multi it's a multi part effort. Um, obviously, like the companies that we trust with our information have a certain, you know degree of, of responsibility when it comes to that but then there's also like a lot of things that we can do you know ourselves and it, mm -hmm. it's more than just you know changing your password every month you know it's um it's making sure that your information is secure that you don't leave your computers or your phones um accessible to hackers whether it be you know on an unsecure wi-fi network or leave your phone hanging around you know while you go get a coffee or go do something really quick um and then we also have to understand that um a lot of these you know, data breaches are done by hackers, but they're also done by um, by by insider threats as well. People within the company that might be disgruntled or that might be secretly working with, um, you know, hackers or anyone on the dark web or other companies, you know, something like that. So it's definitely a multi-competent. <laughs> I think okay. like what, um, T-Mobile, there was like an employee that had a folder that it says passwords yeah <laughs> yeah and it's like we we can do our part too like 
we expect a lot of these companies, but we can also do our part too as, as consumers that have to use this information because it's a world that we live in and we have to share it. Um, but it was super interesting, like you said, like the metadata, metadata, like the most important kind, the one that has like actual identifiable information is being leaked. And we just need to, um, to just figure out a solution because I mean, everybody has a phone now, everybody has access to internet and it's just, mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's just growing too rapidly. Oh yeah. And it, it reminds me of, I'm going to touch back to the post 9-11. I remember there's a debate about, um, is it the NSA with the Patriot Act when it first came out? And they were like, oh, well, we're just collecting metadata. And I think people have kind of wise up to like, you know, metadata is kind of a lot. Like it is. this article was touching on it. Like it, it can include your phone number, when you've called someone, who you've mm -hmm. called, maybe not their name, but like this phone number has called that phone number this many times. Yeah, and even the Patriot Act, like it turned yeah. out that they were recording certain conversations and flagging them. Yeah. And, um, you know, Edward Snowden and Chelsea Manning, these are all people, you know, in the past few years that have really, you know, exposed this. And they've also exposed the fact that your information is like currency. It gets bought, sold, traded all the time. Like, for example, what those hackers are doing, um, is it in Bangladesh? Like they're holding it for ransom. Yeah. That's kind of like what some companies do. And it's you know, allowed to happen. So it, it's, it's definitely a very sensitive subject. And um, it's just, it's just so dynamic, because the world is constantly changing, tech is always changing. And it's, it's something to definitely be, be mindful of. Yeah, and I think I've gotten to the point now where I'm no longer sharing certain things. I think you touched on it. If someone in a store asking for my zip code or my email, I'm like, no, no, <laughs> it's just not happening. I'm not giving you that. Because um, I had once, I don't want to like name drop the company. I, I won't. <laughs> just because I'm working. Um, I could tell you offline if you care. I shared my like mailing address with them. And turns out they were subscribing me to magazines. I mean, I didn't have to pay for it, but it's like weird that I'm just getting magazines out of the blue. And I'm like, no, I'm not sharing my zip code with anyone anymore. It's like, why do you need that? <laughs> exactly. That goes to show you, like, you give your zip code or your email address, and then you start getting, you know, mail and credit card offers and text messages and mm -hmm. stuff in your spam mail and promotions. And it's like, it's, it's your information is out there and it's just flowing around being traded, you know? And there's a lot they could tell from that because it's just like, why am I getting this magazine? Like, what do you know? <laughs> exactly. I don't remember signing up for you guys, but I mean, it's, it's, it's happening. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's so why I, I personally, like, I'm not saying anyone should do this, but I personally just try to like minimize, you know, like the number of accounts that I make and mm -hmm. you know, try to like limit my footprint online. Cause I'm a little bit scared of it, a little bit reluctant, but you know, that's just my take on it. My opinion, how to minimize that. Um, it's the only way I know. So. Yeah. I mean, I, once it's out there, it's out there. There's no taking it back. Exactly. So yeah. Your best bet, honestly, is just not to put anything out there that you wouldn't want someone else knowing. Yeah. Also, I would say, like, from a consumer advocacy point of view, if this data is worth something, um, it's is it okay for them to sell it? Like, shouldn't I be able to sell it? Like, if I, I mean, no one's paying me to give that information out, mm -hmm. and they're making money off of it. It's kind of a exactly. weird little concept. Yeah. 
like if, if you're gonna exactly i agree with that 100 percent. like where's the fairness in that if you're gonna buy it and trade it and all that mm-hmm. without my consent really like at least let me get a cut of it you know yeah, like where let am i get something out cut? of it <laughs> right like yeah oh man so Mark- i guess that's why um you go on websites now and it's like would you like to accept cookies or reject them? Because apparently yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, on your browser, they track your information and your browsing history. And that leads yeah. to you getting certain advertisements that are tailored oh, to for you. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So it's, 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 it's a whole science behind it. Yeah, for sure. I try to reject where possible, but yeah, sometimes it doesn't let you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it for in terms of the articles that we have today. Um, Mario, is there anything that you would like to promote, highlight that the library does? something coming up in your department? Um, there's always something going on in community engagement. Um, we're always, you know, finding new ways to interact with the community and get them to, you know, come in and utilize the library to the best of their, you know, potential. Um, we're always changing up what we do, always trying to attract, uh, you know, existing customers and new customers. So if you live in the area and you have a branch near you, I suggest you check it out, stop by, ask what's new, um, see what you can sign up for. Library cards are still free, no more late fees. So, you know, come on by and and check it out. And there's something for everyone. Yeah, and I think we just got the new 50th anniversary library cards now. Yeah, those are in too. So, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, different types of library card designs. Um, We're trying to work on some new interesting designs that will, you know, appeal to the community. So stay posted and stay tuned for that. All right, thank you, Mario. And thank Thank you, you everyone who's watching this recording. Um, We'll see you next week. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Thank you, Sheldon.